If you would please turn in your Bibles to chapter 5. We are looking at the first seven verses, calling it the walk in love. If you would please follow the reading of the Word of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Father, teach us. Father, these can be hard words. And yet, Father, you've already told us our position in Christ, the power of your spirit and the authority of your scripture. We are indwelt by God. So, uh, as the Apostle Paul instructs, let us act like it. In Christ's name. Amen. This is interesting because in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I implore you as a prisoner of Christ. What? Walk worthy. Chapter 5, he says, walk worthy looks like what? Being an imitator of God. Shouldn't be too hard, huh? I'll close with prayer. (laughs) Okay. Last week I moved into this because two weeks ago I dealt with imitators. But then he says, as beloved children, walk in love. And what does that mean, to walk in love? And we've been dealing with it because if you come out of chapter 4, verse 32, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, we are to what? Forgive. So one of the measurements of love is the depth of your forgiveness. If you, if you, you don't really have to be a biblical scholar to understand that love and forgiveness are hooked together. You can't have one without the other. And when I started this book some time ago, I shared with you that the overriding theme throughout the whole book is unity. I want you to be as God the Father, God the Son, the God the Spirit is. That is what is the body of Christ. It's a representation of the Godhead. So I want you to be one in Christ. You must have that unity. Okay. The greatest unifying factor is love. Okay. All right. If I have love, the depth of that unity will be based on forgiveness. Okay, 
chapters 1 to 3 was because of my position in Christ, we are to act like it. And one of the ways you can spot that a mile away is the unity of the brethren. Okay? So I shared with you last week, if you're going to measure love and you want to measure the depth of love, you have to do it by forgiveness. Okay? No problem. But there's a second part to that. And I have been praying with a fervency that I can explain this. Because it is so clear to me, but every time I write it down or think about it or speak about it, it just sounds like And yet, between my little ears, it is just as clear as the day is long. So I don't have any idea what you guys are going to get today. I mean, you may walk out of there and say, I think they give God good God was easier. <laughs> okay, so I want us to think about this for a second, though. When you think about love and forgiveness, I shared with you, you have love, and the depth of that love is measured by forgiveness. But that love will also be measured. Okay, remember, forgiveness is how much you know you've been forgiven. Okay, you can tell the depth of a person's love by their forgiveness, okay? Also, I can tell their love by how much they know that they have been forgiven. To what depth? Do I understand the degree of my forgiveness? Do I understand to the degree that I have been forgiven? Okay, if you struggle forgiving, know that you do not understand the depth of your forgiveness and what you've been forgiven. You know, um, even as small as this is today, it's I, I, I just stop. I'm, I'm reading a book. Well, it's several volumes on the church. Okay, and it's it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's at the birth at Pentecost, and it runs through time. I mean, it's just, it's a fascinating read. Okay, because it's, it's, it's not a, well, it is a theological book, but when you start looking at it, you see that the problems in the church really haven't changed. Okay? I look at our congregation, and I say, you know what? This is an interesting place. Okay, the reason that I say that, have you ever stopped, this is how warped your pastor is, this is why I locked myself in my office. Okay, have you ever thought about the degree of the sins committed in this group? You ever thought about that? And you that are in the cry room and you are in the nursery, I'm talking to you too. Okay, just because I can't see you doesn't mean you ain't on my list. Okay? Okay, do you see what I'm, I'm trying to get at? What I've learned, those who understand the greatness of the sense of forgiveness in their life, 
Those are the ones who grant to others the greatest forgiveness. Yeah, I can tell by looking at you, you, this is working well. Okay? To the degree that you've been forgiven is going to be directly proportionate to the degree of your forgiveness, which means to the degree that you understand how much you've been forgiveness is going to be directly related to the degree of your love. Okay? When I came to salvation and people started pushing me to be an elder and then associate pastor and then to the pastor, when I started seeing this coming, you're sitting there going, hey, you guys are crazier than a bunch of loons. And then as I watched it, but then it dawned on me, I thought, with my background, this should be totally awesome because I know how to deal with those addicted to fill in the blank, bikers, that rough and tumble thing. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I, I, I've got a number of lesbians who are seeking me out for the gospel. And you're like, is somebody writing my name on the bathroom wall or what, what are we doing here? But I've known them over some time, but I can't say that they're on my Christmas list. But, you know, so, but it's all these things are happening. You're sitting there going, well, this will be the group that I can get to. Uh, that, that, that people in the low spot of our society. Wow, that'd be awesome. Uh, that ain't what God did. He put me right smack dab in the middle of the religious, self righteous people. Because what I've learned is they have a huge tendency not to forgive. And the reason is is that they don't understand the depth that they have been forgiven. And so he put me in that because I'll be honest with you, I really can't go very far and not understand the depth of the forgiveness that I have been granted. Have you ever seen those people that just won't let them off the hook? Yeah, I forgive you, but... Okay, well, brothers and sisters, that's not forgiveness. Okay, but I, you've all seen them. I've, I have dealt with pastors. I've dealt with elders. I've dealt with deacons. I have dealt with all of this leadership that doesn't forgive. You know, I, I, I've thought about this. If someone comes to the church who was a criminal, we've had them. I've had a bunch of them come in here. That I know. And I mean, I, I know one gentleman empirically who's still in the business of being a criminal. Yet he came. Okay? Now, I, I can't say he's faithful, but I can say that people that claim and profess Christ, they're not faithful either. These people who have come to Christ... And yet, I have dealt with people who 
I contrast that with that says, I have been in church all of my life. Some of us have seen them. They are the ones who look down on people. Okay? Listen. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because I was the one they looked down on. I remember when they used to do it. What was it? The riffraff in the church. I remember the first time I came to this church, I had a ponytail. I had blue jeans with holes in the knees. And... uh the one lady in particular sat and looked at me for a second. And then she just made a note and walked off. Later, when I became the pastor, she says, I remember the first time I saw you, I never dreamed at that time you would be my pastor. I said, that's all right. I didn't either. <laughs> okay. She also said I had a chip on my shoulder. I've never known myself to have a chip on my shoulder. But yet I've watched religiosity is far worse than a guy with a ponytail, a chip on his shoulder, and holes in his jeans. If you look at the gospel record, when Jesus was dealing with public sinners, the grace, the mercy, now, without compromise, was just overwhelming. I mean, whether it's the little guy who climbed up in the sycamore tree, whether it was the harlot they were wanting to stone, just go down the list, the Samaritan lady, all the rest of them. But when it came to the Pharisees, a little bit of a change. Okay? It's simple. People who know they've been forgiven the most are the ones that are able to forgive the most. The people who understand that they've been forgiven the most are the ones who love the most. Now, I know that I have not explained this very well because every time I look at my notes, I'm thinking, what in the world was, what is this? So I'm going to let Jesus explain it to you. Okay? It's just, it's just easier. And Luke's gospel Chapter 7, I think is a better illustration than me up here trying to explain to you (laughs) whatever I'm trying to give you right now. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, if you begin there in verse 36, you probably know this story, but I want you to think about it in light of the text that we're in in Ephesians. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's home. And reclined in it. So one of the Pharisees said, Hey, why don't you come and have dinner with me? Okay, we'll have a we'll have a dinner party. Okay? And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. That word in the Greek is not sinner. It's immoral. Okay? If you called somebody immoral, you know what you were referring to? Okay, she's a prostitute. Now, wouldn't that be an odd crowd? You're at the Pharisee's house eating dinner, and in comes the prostitute. And if you read on through this, and we will, she was successful. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Because here's what happens. There was a, a woman in the city who was a sinner, immoral. 
And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Now listen, to have alabaster is very expensive. To have an alabaster jar full of perfume, okay, that's extremely expensive. All right? You know what that means? She had this costly gift, which means she earned it by her trade. Okay? Yet, she, and standing behind him at his feet, note the word, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Okay. Here's a lady who the city knows what she does for a living. Okay. And it's obvious with this gift she is successful. So she comes in and she begins weeping. She cries on his feet and wipes his feet off with her hair, also anointing it with this perfume. This is a broken spirit. This is a person who is mourning over the depth of their sin. And she washes his feet with the tears of that morning and anoints it as an act of worship. Now listen, if Jesus had been part of the Pharisees, he'd have slapped this lady in the next week. That would have been one of the greatest offenses that could have ever been done. Why? Look what she does for a living. Okay, she would have been thrown out. How dare you touch a clean person? It reminds me of when I was in Israel, and on the Sabbath, nobody does nothing. Not only if they don't do anything, if you see a cab, they'll throw rocks at it because the guy's working. But what's really cool is, on the Sabbath, if you touch an unclean person and Messiah shows up, you're in trouble. Okay? Well, when I stand there with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know what that means? I'm an unclean person. But yet everybody's out walking. And so when I'm walking around, people, it's like spreading of the Red Sea because they don't want to be touched by an unclean person. How much greater would it have been a prostitute? Okay. Verse 39. You see what the Pharisee's mindset is. Now when the Pharisee who invited him in saw this. Now note what it says here. He said to himself. Okay. He thought this. 
Okay, now this guy invited Jesus there because he had heard his teaching. He was great at exegeting scripture. And so I'm going to set him down and have a theological talk with him. Okay, look what he says. If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him and that she is immoral. Okay? Some kind of prophet. You don't know a prostitute when you see a prostitute? Okay, you know what I see there? The Pharisee has lots of forgiveness. Okay? And the Pharisee didn't think he needed to be forgiven for anything or anything that bad. See, what I've been trying to articulate is we'll forgive to the measure of our understanding of the amount that we have been forgiven. And some of you may look at me and say, well, we know bits and pieces about what you used to be like. You haven't even touched the top of the iceberg. I've been with me for a while. I remember how I used to be. To this day, I have no idea why I was saved. Because when it says a vile sinner, vile sinners are rank amateurs. I do not say that to boast. I say that not to weep. You will love as you comprehend more and more of God's love for you. Remember what I gave you last week? John 3.16 God so loved the world He made beautiful skies and the Milky Way. Nope. God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son. Why? To forgive you. I will give you my son in place of your penalty. Okay? That Pharisee had no sense of his own sin. And the deeper you understand your sin, please hear me on that. Not your spouse's sin, not your kid's sin, not your co-worker's sin. The deeper you understand your sin, the greater the sense of forgiveness you'll have. That Pharisee had no sense of his. Okay, now, remember, 39, he didn't say it out loud, remember? He said to himself, it's one of those things. We cross your arms and, hmm, hmm, hmm. I remember Dr. MacArthur saying he had a guy come into the church who had been diagnosed with, you're going to die soon, AIDS. The guy turned out to be the head and founder of Queer Nation. In California. Queer Nation is militant homosexual. 
But the guy was dying, and he asked some of his friends, he's worried about dying, where should he go? And they said, Grace Community. So he went to Grace Community Church. He listened to two sermons of John MacArthur, came forward weeping on the floor for forgiveness. And they gathered him up and began training him day in and day out. And in the boldness of his salvation, he went back to his people and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He only lasted a few years before he finally died. But he had this massive funeral at the church. Uh, Nate and Paige know this church. Uh, I think Stephanie's been there. How big this is. This thing was packed. Standing room only with gay people. Guess what the message was? You can be forgiven. Now I want you to note verse 40. And Jesus answered him. Now remember, he said it to himself. And Jesus answered him. Now, he didn't say it out loud, and yet Jesus answered him without him saying it. Now, I don't know about you, but that would just flat out unnerve me. Okay? He says, Simon, in verse 40, I have something to say to you. <laughs> I just said, room service. <laughs> I'm out of here. And he replied, say it, teacher. Now, you got to remember, he's got a room full of dinner guests. Okay, what he thought, he didn't share with that room full of dinner guests. What Jesus is saying, he's going to share with that room full of dinner guests. Look what he says. Hey, money, I love this. The Lord is the king of illustrators. Okay, a money lender who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one, one who knows the heart. Okay, a denarii is a day's wages. So one had 50 days wages and one had 500 days wages that he owed. Okay. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? See how I just did Love and forgiveness. Simon being the theological wizard that he is, Simon answered, said, I suppose the one with whom forgave more. Jesus said to him, You have judged correctly. Right? Right? We would all say that. Now, if it stopped there, Simon would be feeling pretty good. But then 44 says, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. 
You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. That's one of those like, pow, right in a solar plex. Okay? Look what verse 48 says. Then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. He forgave her much. Why? Be clear. She loved much. Remember in Revelation chapter 3, the church in Ephesus? You know, when we go through that list, I think the ladies went through the seven churches, right? Well, you get back to Laodicea and you go, he whiz. You know, in Smyrna, oh, what a bunch of gutter trash. Had a very doctrinally sound, tested the spirits, tested the prophets. Anybody that came in who taught, they held them on account, right? What had they done? Hmm. Hmm. You know what that means? They became religious. They became religious. See, the ability to love depends on how deeply you sense the love of God. And that will correlate with understanding. Do you understand how massive his forgiveness for you is? That will be the degree of your love. When you understand the degree of forgiveness that you stand in. The ability to forgive someone is directly related to how much you know you've been forgiven. When you hold a grudge, when you hold bitterness, when you hold wrath, you know what? You do not understand what you have been forgiven. See, the Pharisee thought he was, he was all right. The Pharisee thought he was, he was good. And as the Pharisee knew, he wasn't in need of that much forgiveness. I remember when they wanted to make me the pastor here, and I was approached by somebody who uh, was very churchy. And uh, they were adamant against me being pastor. So I was asked to come have a meeting and we'd get this all worked out. So we sat there and we chit-chatted and chit-chatted and chit-chatted. And then the statement was made to me. You do not understand, Terry. By his stripes, I have been healed. But he had to die for you. This was not a biblically illiterate person. 
I about fell over. I mean, at the time, you're sitting there going, what did I just hear? But see, when I sit and stand in, I have arrived, or I've been this, or I've been that, and then I can look down my nose at somebody who is, man, you, that's gutter stuff right there. Then all of a sudden, you start thinking that by his stripes, I was healed. Man, that person there needs a crucifixion. See, that Pharisee wasn't interested in washing Jesus' feet. That Pharisee was not interested in falling in love with Jesus. That Pharisee was not interested in anointing his head. He wanted to have some kind of theological discussion. And he knew that Jesus couldn't be a prophet or he wouldn't be letting that woman touch him. See, that's a person who is in their own self-righteousness. And you know what? That self-righteousness damned that man. Now think about that for a second. You've got the prostitute sitting there. Evidently, she's not bad at it because she's got some cash. And Jesus said, you've been forgiven. And the Pharisee was not even interested in it. Who is this man in verse 49? Who is this man even forgives sins? See, it is the ultimate sin to say, I don't need God. That is a person who is dependent on their own works. See, the depth of our own need for forgiveness will be the ability for you and I to forgive. See, we love little because we sense God's love little. If you love much, then you sense God's love much. You know what? That's a very beautiful story. And yet the point of that story, how many miss? A broken sinner who knew was in serious, desperate need of forgiveness. I look around our society today, very few people understand the depth of their sin. Hey, I'm not a prostitute. I'm not stealing. I'm not murdering. Well, I covered a little bit, but not that, not that big a deal. Okay? A little envy creeps in, keeping up with the Joneses or what. You know, but no, that ain't that big a deal. I've stolen no cars. I haven't cussed today. On the basis of much forgiveness, there's much love. It's a really cool thing if you think about it. Those are the ones that church is for. Those who understand the depth of their sin. 
Because then they will understand the depth of their forgiveness. And once you start getting a handle on the depth of your forgiveness, all of a sudden you start looking up and realizing, man, how much does he love me? See, church doesn't need people who think they don't need anything. I've had people in my ministry who come and tell me what they're going to do for Jesus. And I've stunned them. Have you asked him if that's what he wants? Well, this is a very large sum of money. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. There are people in the church today who, well, I I don't need very much. They think they're already okay. See, God loved us so much that he forgave us. Cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Amen, right? That's the way we are to be with each other. I've had some people in my past come out that... <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. They're just out of the clear blue. They're calling me and talking to me. And you're like... You didn't do anything but try to cause division in the body of Christ. And you're calling me What? <laughs> I think they're wanting to see if I forgive them. I, and maybe it's God saying, okay, you're going to teach this thing on forgiving. Let me put your butt in the fire and see how you do, boy. <laughs> that may be what it's for. You're allowed to say that, put your butt in the fire? Anyway, whatever. But you see what I'm trying to get at? And it's just amazing the way he does it. Maybe it's just for me. But I, they, in these conversations, I don't have any animosity. See, bye-bye. God so loved us that he forgave us. And that's the way we are to be. You know, we are not to have any bitterness. We are to have no anger. We are to have no wrath. Nothing. We are to have love and forgiveness. That is unity. Our ability to forgive is absolutely dependent on our ability to love or and lack of. We will love and forgive little if we see ourselves forgiving little. But we've got to understand that we are vile. We've got to understand we are broken beggars in spirit. And we are desperate to be forgiven as the prostitute was. See, if we forgive much, then we can measure our love by it. You love because you have been forgiven much. And that will cause you to forgive others all the more. In that sense, we are to be like God. Remember what it said in Ephesians? Be imitators of God. So if I love much and I forgive much, then I am imitating who? God. Okay, again, it goes back and you can realize that you can't do it. And amen. But the Spirit can. Remember Peter talking to Jesus? Depart from me. 
I am a sinful man. John in Revelation chapter 1 saw Christ in all of his magnificent glory in heaven. And it says that he fell at his feet as a dead man. I like that. You know what he's saying there? If you fall, you inherently will stick your elbows out, your arms out, your hands out or something like that to protect yourself. Not a dead man. <laughs> I mean, dead man going to hit the ground and break his nose. And that's what John is saying. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. 1 Peter, chapter 1. He is holy as you are to be holy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect as he is perfect. 1 John 4, 11. He is loving, so you are to be what? Be loving. How is that possible? Easy. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust we have become partakers of the divine nature <laughs> that's to me that's just like wow god made a funny <laughs> We are earthen vessels with a precious treasure inside that allows us to be partakers of the divine nature. Think about it. God living in you. See, when I read that from Peter, I understand that I have been regenerated at the point of my salvation. My sanctification is in process, though everything is there as the Spirit works in the life of a believer, then you will and I will see the divine nature. In Romans chapter 8, it says, We are saved to be conformed into the image of His Son. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, We behold as in a mirror are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit in the image of who? Jesus Christ. Paul's pleading, remember? If you are going to call yourself a child of God, act like it. Listen, have you ever thought of this? Had a meeting yesterday. Bunch of people. Two thought they are Christians. A few others thought they are spiritual. How many claim... Christ, but you never see God in their life. You ever run into that? Christ is never shown. Okay, I've got some people from my past to date are waiting for me to fall. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Patient little people. 
What he can't, what he has can't be real. You know what? You're right. <laughs> it's miraculous. First John chapter two, verse six. You say you abide in him, walk as he walks. First Corinthians sixteen fourteen. I know that you all remember this. Let all things, all of your things be done in love. You know what that is? <laughs> Everything in life. This is God's standard. You know, I, I've been going back through the Bible. And when I look at the 66 books of the Bible, the heart of everything from Genesis to Revelations is love. It's love. It's totally awesome. But when I think about the Pharisee and the prostitute and Jesus in the middle of it, one was damned and one is spending eternity with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Which one are you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I struggled so hard to try to explain this. And I still think I made a mess of it. So I pray that Jesus' teaching out of Luke made it easy. That we need to know how much we have been forgiven. And when we grasp that, that will be the degree that we forgive. But Father, it will also be the love that we have. You can tell a person's love by their forgiveness. So Lord, help us. Help us to hear Help us to understand that the Spirit of the living God is inside of us, cleansing us so that Jesus is comfortable and that God, you, will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever imagine. And we will see the fullness of God. Thank you, my King, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's precious name. Amen.